Well, happy Father's Day to all of you fathers that are hopping in here, watching the service. If you've yet to reach out to your father today, do so. And um, I just encourage you, I want to encourage you, being a father is a huge, huge blessing and responsibility, right? I mean, it takes tons of work and often it goes unnoticed. But I hope that you feel love and encouragement and honor today and respect, mad props for the investment you make into your family, into your spouse, into your kids, and uh, great fathers who set an example uh, for all to see are desperately, desperately needed in the world today. And so thank you. Thank you for putting in the work to be who you are as a father. And uh, I just want to encourage you, father well and continue to, to fight the fight. Uh, so many qualities that make a great father, make a great follower of Jesus. These qualities we've been looking at in the Beatitudes really kind of bring out these, these Christ-like characters within us, or at least show us the things we can work on and model for the world around us as fathers and as humans, whether you're a father or a mother or a son or a daughter, uh, you, you can build these qualities and it makes for a great example. Uh, both being a father and being a follower of Jesus are achieved through similar disciplines and process. You continue to, to put in the work needed to grow. And something our passage today points towards, uh, and ultimately we conclude this series, Blessed Are You, uh, we're going to look at Philippians 2. We're going to look at Philippians 2, 12 through 18, and read and see what we're encouraged to do. Uh, with, with all the character qualities we're building up and we've unpacked over the past nine weeks, we, we journeyed through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount introduction called the Beatitudes, and it's a setup for us to now work out these things in our lives. So let's read Philippians 2. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. One of my favorite passages to quote to my children, right? Okay, side note there. Uh, so that, verse 15, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Wow, what a, what a packed 
segment of scripture there, which leads us right into our big idea. We are working out what God is working in. We are working out what God is working in. I came out of the cocoon of my office the other day, uh, which is right next to our kitchen and family room. And on the TV is a show. I was going to eat lunch and, and, and I get to look in on what one of my daughters was watching. And, and uh, I don't know if you've ever watched the show. Nailed it. It's a baking show with people who have no idea. They try to find the people who are clueless about baking and they make them bake stuff. So it's thoroughly just entertainment based on their failure. And uh, I'm sitting there eating lunch and watching them make, first they make cookies and then they make cake. And the chef is kind of explaining what they're gonna make and then dialoguing about how they're processing through making these cookies. And one is just mixing the cookie dough to death. It's like becoming liquidy almost. And he's, and the, the chef is talking about how she's just mixing it too much. Those cookies are gonna turn out weird, you know, in texture. This other girl decides she's not gonna measure. She's not gonna really follow any instructions. She throws everything in a pan and mixes it very little. And then kind of just plops it on a table and you could see like, there's still clumps of salt and flour and it's all like chunky. And I was sitting there going, she did not work in the ingredients where the one was overworking, one didn't work in the ingredients at all. And when I look about, read a text like this and I think God is working in me, I'm glad because I don't want to be like that cookie that just falls apart and tastes watching them, they have to taste everything that the people make <laughs> and watching them like get a, a puff of like cookie dry salt pocket in a cookie there. They're, it was unexplainable. And the chef, all he could do, he was being as nice as he could is laugh. That's all he could do. And, uh, and it was just so funny because it was just obviously nasty. They have like a little spit thing that they <laughs> spit it out in I don't want to be that Christian in culture because I just don't allow God to work in these characters so that, and then I got to work out the, the instructions and encouragements of scripture so that I am natural and authentic and pleasing and all these, these things. If we're going to go to all the work of making something, we better work in what is important. And Jesus gives us the important stuff right up front in his first big sermon. He says, these are the character qualities you need to work on as you work out your salvation. These are not natural. They're actually very countercultural at times. They'll take work, but here is the good news. Before we ever start working on it, God's working in us. While you're working out, God is working in. It's important before we jump into the, the, the question we're going to answer today, uh, it's important that we understand the process in which this instruction lands from Philippians 2. 
to make sure we're, we're really interpreting it correctly. It's not saying you are working out for your salvation. It's not a conditional work. Uh, you've already done the work of salvation when you invite Jesus into your life by faith. This is, you first must choose to follow Jesus, and from there you go into the work out of salvation. It's work from that. You don't magically, I'm like Christ now because I invited Jesus into my life. I, I chose to follow him, and now life is wonderful. No, there's work involved. We got to discipline our natural tendencies and take on these characters of Christ that are very countercultural. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So we can't brag, it's not by work, it's by faith. But to toss in a bit of confusion today, your life as one, <laughs> your life as one who has experienced salvation takes work after the initial moment of salvation. So you don't work to be saved, you get saved and work. I hope that makes sense. Now the work begins, and you start to forge through working out your salvation what God, your heavenly father, is working in you. It's kind of cool that God initiates everything with us. You know, he initiated relationship with us by sending his son so that we could have life and life eternally. Life to the full now, life eternal. Like he initiated that. Uh, and, and now he's initiating work within us that now we get to work out. So it's like he always is a step ahead when we're going to go serve, when we're going to go do something. He's preparing works in advance before we do them. So I just, I, I'm so grateful that God is ahead of us, but in us, preparing us for the moments. Nothing catches him by surprise. Do you remember when we began, began this series? If you're like my daughters, they're like, oh, like, five years ago. <laughs> I like to pick on my kids, but just no, 10 weeks ago when we ended the sermon, the first message with a prayer of humility. And we used for an example, this right here, Jesus, I give up to you anger and I accept forgiveness from you today. I do need you today, Jesus. We encourage people to pray a prayer like that every day. And I just look at that and go, how prophetic was that prayer? Right now, in the world we live in, how much do we need prayers like that? We need Jesus. And I hope you feel that. And I hope, and that's really why when we thought, man, we've been journeying through the Beatitudes and we, we, we could have jumped ahead <laughs> and just gone, hey, let's go into our next series and, and have some important conversations and listen to one another and which we're going to jump into. But I was like, you know what? Uh, we began dialogue and we said, no, we need to, we need to hit the pause and we need to go back and make sure we're, we're really owning and developing these character qualities, becoming Christ-like because the world around us is desperate for something true, something constant, something loving, something humble. We need to cultivate these characters like never before. We need to model these for the church 
and the world around us. And I just challenge you, man, it's because of followers of Jesus that the world around us is going to exit confusion and find something consistent, truthful, peaceful in times that are desperate. Oswald Chambers said this, no one is born with character. It must be developed. We're not just, I'm one that has character. I have to tell you uh, that today we get to answer this question, why does becoming more like Jesus take work? And I hope it reveals, oh, that's my pushback against this. That's why I've been struggling this, this has been a series for followers of Jesus, but the cool thing is, is you've had an opportunity. If you're exploring the faith and you've yet to follow Jesus, you've been hearing, oh, well, maybe the reason I've been mad at Christians or not chose to follow Jesus is because I've seen a demonstration counter, like that wasn't what Jesus was challenging his followers to be like. Uh, and, and that would make you want to become a follower of Jesus who lives out these characters. And for those of us that have been followers of Jesus, even for decades, there's a lot to work on here still. Uh, this never ends until we're in eternity. So I just challenge you, man, open up your heart today. Here we go. The question is, why does becoming more like Jesus take work? Why does it take work? Well, one is, the, the, the first reason is troubles. Um, it takes work because of troubles. I read it last week, James 1 Two through four, I'll read it again to your brothers and sisters. When, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. Let it grow. You are going to sit. Raise your hand if you knew that I was going to do that. Okay. I hope in your homes you raised your hand. If you're driving down the road watching this, you better have raised your hand, but keep one on the wheel. Let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. While troubles present opportunities to grow, they present friction into our life. We just talked about that last week. We find ourselves having to make choices to grow instead of just magically becoming more like Jesus. Like I spoke of, we don't give our life to Jesus and then we're like, man, I, my choices are all in alignment with God's will. No, we have to work towards that and discipline our thought patterns and our mindsets because and, 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 it's not natural. In fact, we have to learn to endure through seasons just like we're currently facing now where the church is scattered and on our own with much of our, our spiritual growth and connectedness, we have to become initiators and we have to remind ourselves of these truths of our salvation in times like now, times like these. That is, it, it's humbling ourselves and, and being poor in spirit and mourning the loss of what we used to have the freedom to do. All this is good and healthy as long as it results in us looking to God and, and saying, I need your help. I need you, Jesus. Not in being mad at him or mad at the followers of him who are trying to live out the characters. 
Listen to what Jesus said. This is interesting. John 16, 31. If you've been following along with our Bible plan on version, you read this just a couple days ago, and it says, do you know, or let me read it the way that it's actually written. Here we go. Do you now <laughs> believe, Jesus replied, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home. I identify with that. You will, leave, you will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. So Jesus overcame the world. But it didn't stop. it's not going to stop the fact that we're going to face troubles. We're going to face pandemics. We're going to face injustice. We're going to face needing to be the peacemaker in our families. We're going to face so many things that have been talked about. And Jesus is saying, endure. Make it through this. In fact, make it through it and display peace during it because you have an inner peace. God is working in you. And you're working out your salvation and hopefully peace is visible. It's countercultural, which is hard and great. But the fact that we're living out this life in a way that is countercultural, humbling ourselves, God, you must be more, I must be less. What makes it cool is we shine then, just like it said in Philippians 2, we shine like stars. But that's if we're developing these characters. We want to shine brightly like stars. You are working out what God is working in. And he is at work in your heart. And these troubles come so that you can respond like Jesus for your sake and the sake of the world that's watching you. Uh, for the fathers in the room, <laughs> this, is, this, this makes sense, right? Uh, you know your kids are watching. And they're always following your example. And all, you probably have one child that emulates everything you do a little more than others. I know in my home, Preston, our youngest, my son, sometimes does things exactly like I'll do. Like if I'm going outside to work on stuff, he'll want to wear the same kind of shirt I'm wearing. He'll come out. If I'm putting some nails in my mouth before I nail them down, he's putting nails in his mouth before he nails them down. And it's hilarious until he gets in trouble for doing something. And you hear the words no father ever wants to hear. And they're this, but dad does it. <laughs> I hate that, right? I don't know if that's ever happened to you or if you're way more angelic than I am. But the, that phrase just gets me because every once in a while I set a bad example. And that brings tension and friction and trouble into the home. And when Jesus faced troubles, he went to his father in heaven in prayer and worked it out. And he accessed the character that he was developing and that God was raising up within him. And we can do the same. Hopefully we work those things out. Yeah, dad, dad did say that or dad do that. I demonstrated that and I'm sorry, that was not right. And then we have to humble ourselves all again. I don't know. I think, I think we could follow Jesus' example here. So why does becoming more like Jesus take work? Temptations, number two, 
temptations. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. There's that word endure again. I hope that's resonating with you. Again, there is God at work in you while you're working out your salvation, right? Temptations are not sin. They lead to sin, but temptations are going to come. And when they do, it reveals the strength of your character work. Have you been doing the workout? of reading your Bible, uh, connecting with God and each other, you know, serving God and each other, sharing your life with God and each other? Or have you just ignored that? Have you gone into neutral? If you're driving up a hill and you go into neutral, it doesn't take long for you to go backwards. Our faith is the same. That character work shows itself when we're tempted. Are we quick to compromise? Are we quick to abandon those countercultural characters that we've been building? James 1.13 says, remember when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. That's a bad generational story. We don't want to give in to temptation because we don't want to give birth to sin babies that give birth to death. The Beatitudes are so powerful here for us to work out in our lives because that's what's being crafted in us to counter those evil desires that exist. When we are tempted, we can humble ourselves, trust God's mercy for a way out, and pursue the pure heart God wants to develop. When we uh, can mourn the fact that <laughs> we still have these desires and our evil <laughs> rises up, but yet re realize we can repent and turn and receive forgiveness, Man, that should humble us and just make us weep in the presence of God. That's working out our salvation. When we are tempted to just give someone a piece of our mind, but then that character rises up and says, you're to be the peacemaker. You're my children. Man, that's so helpful when we're tempted to be developing these characters. When we're in the moment of temptation, it's easy to see why it's hard to work out our salvation and allow God to work in us to overcome our own evil desires. We do need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit working in us to overcome so that we can find and see the way out when we're tempted. We will be tempted. So final, why does becoming more like Jesus take work? Well, number three, testing. Testing, again, James 1, 3 and 4 said this, you'll uh, know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. Tests can make learning seem longer. I don't know if you identify with uh, my challenge or not. My daughters did not get my test genes as 4.0 students still going into their senior year this next year, whatever that'll look like. 
They are, uh, I would get test anxiety. I would lock up. I would all of a sudden read slower, not remember things. Uh, I, I never liked or did well at taking tests. And yet I got these girls who will come out of a test and they'll just go, man, it was the hardest test. I don't know if I did well. And then they get like 190%. You know, it's just ridiculous. And I look at that and go, tests sometimes seem like they're mean or brutal or hard and they might make us anxious, but they build and reveal, really, they just reveal where our character's at. And uh, it's, it's an assessment on our character, just like tests are an assessment for students. And failure, honestly, is a must in order for us to grow and see what we missed. I hated taking tests when you didn't find out what you got wrong. Because I was like, well, man, what, what's the 17% what's the I missed? Or what's the 3% I missed? Or, you know, I just, I want to know what did I fail at so that I can grow? Failure is not final. It's a step towards your future. So I just go, God is all about retakes. Now, let me put my father hat on because... A dad moment or a dad language, I guess you could say. When I was a kid, or let me get my correct dad voice on, or, or maybe grandpa voice. Let's try a grandpa voice. When I was a kid, we didn't get retakes. We took the grade we got and liked it. Have you heard that? Or has your parents said that to you? Or have you said that? Because I think the only retake I ever did was my SAT. Don't tell anybody that the second time I got a lower score. So anyway, uh, <laughs> that did not work out well for me. Now students can retake tests. And I remember the first time my girls retook it. I was like, you can, you can what? You can retake a, an assessment, a test? That's crazy. My mind was just going, what would my grades been like? Maybe they would have uh, actually been better. But... I probably would have got worse the second time on any of the tests I retook. But where we fail, Jesus did not. And he wants us to get back up and try again. I mean, in life, the tests that come are pretty serious usually. And uh, God has mercy for us when we mess up. We just have to realize this. He's extending mercy all around your world so that you can continue to grow that character. In fact, Hebrews 4 talks about this in verse 14. Since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Man, if you're feeling like time is testing you right now, run to God. Begin to pray. Begin to voice and maybe you need to write down your prayers and just be honest. I don't know the answer. <laughs> I keep messing up because of this, or I need your help, God. And watch him rise up that character. He'll work in you. 
what you get to work out. So how do we work out our salvation? Our action points, we have two of them today. First, keep growing. Keep growing. Let's take the advice there in James and let it grow. And Second Peter shows us how to do this. Peter in Second Peter writes, verse one, or one verse four says, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Again, that's where temptations come from, right? Verse five, for this very reason, make every effort, make every effort, like another Zoom call, every effort, like read my Bible personally every day, every effort, like pray personally without somebody guiding me in prayer, every effort. And if you need guided prayer, that's available. Go somewhere online, subscribe to uh, a, an Instagram account that's given a daily devotional to start doing a daily uh, reading plan in your U version. Go buy a book and read it every, every effort. Are we really making every effort? Oh, but I can't go to church on Sunday yet. Are we making every effort? I just, man, every effort. Okay, sorry, I'll get off my soapbox there. To add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can take the Beatitudes and passages like this, written by Peter later, reflecting on them, and we can find the ways to be fruitful and, and, and life-giving by growing in these ways. None of us want to be unfruitful, ineffective, and unproductive, as Peter says there. We want to live life to the full, and the way to do that is to continually grow, get a hold of every opportunity that exists and improve, take another step, get back up again, do something, right? Even a rebuke should be received with joy and blessing if it helps us grow. That's what the righteous desire. 1 Thessalonians 4.10 says, Indeed, you already show your love for all the believers through Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. I don't think that the Thessalonians are like, haven't we loved enough? Right? Why do you keep coming at me? No, he's just saying, well done. Keep loving more. Let's add to our faith. Don't accept the lie that you're doing enough that you've arrived. Keep growing. Love more. Even when it's visible and obvious that you've grown and the characters of Jesus are becoming more fruitful in your life, there's room for you to grow until you're in eternity. We keep growing. Growth doesn't end in our relationship with Jesus. And finally, don't give up. And this is a passage I haven't been able to let go of the last few weeks. When I'm thinking of the current state of open life and our church and, and the world around us, and uh, it says this in Galatians 6, 9, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. 
if we don't give up. I've not been able to let this go because I think we're weary. I think the world around us is growing tired. And uh, life right now is crazy. It can be overwhelming. Don't give up. Uh, fathers, I think oftentimes you can look around and be challenged. You, you feel you have to, to, to do this, 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 and this in the world to meet the expectations of being a father. And sometimes that becomes so overwhelming. We just want to throw in the towel. Don't give up. I'm here to tell you today, don't, don't give up. He's working in you so you can experience the blessings of living a life that does not give up, that follows Jesus faithfully, that works out your salvation. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you to keep growing. I want to pray for you to not give up. And I want to pray for you to work out what God is working in. God, I thank you for this series. I thank you for the opportunity we've had to invest into the followers of Jesus here at Open Life and to those who are exploring the faith to be able to look in and listen in and, and even make decisions to follow Jesus themselves. But Lord, as Jesus followers, you're challenging us to live out these characters daily. You want us to work out our salvation. You want us to grow. You want us to keep growing and you want us to not just arrive and, and just find a, a place in our relationship with you that we say, okay, I'm good enough now. No, you challenge us to not give up and to continue to add to our faith more and more, to love more and more, to serve more and more, to connect more and more, and utilize what we have around us to help us grow. God, thank you for working in me. Thank you for working in us. And thank you for giving us the, the burden, really the longing to work out our faith. And uh, I just pray that as we conclude this series and as we're about to launch into another, will you challenge us to keep growing? Will you challenge us to lean in to our faith in such a time as this? And we thank you. Thank you that you put this before us, that you've given us these tools in our hand in the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Blessed are you.